the number. He knows it. Oh, it's Cole. That was it. That was it. <laughs> that was it. 15 points. 15. I told the governor, I told the governor on June 2nd, the two of us in Orlando in the green room, I said you're going to win by 15 points. He laughed in my face. All right, Governor DeSantis. <laughs>
the massive red wave that so many predicted did not happen. Uh, dare I say, uh, allow me to quote myself, but I kept saying all along, while I think it is going to happen, you never know what ha is going to happen and you cannot count your chickens before they hatch. And clearly there was some chickens being counted uh, before they were hatched uh, by the mainstream punditry. Uh, and also, as I just mentioned, because we don't know the Arizona and Nevada Senate situation specifically, uh, that's leaving a lot of this in the balance. I mean, if it comes out that Blake Masters wins in Arizona and that Adam Laxalt, also the Republican, wins in Nevada, it's like, that's a kind of, that's at least a red whipple, a red ripple, whipple. Uh, and also Herschel Walker, who is going into, uh, going to be in a runoff with Raphael Warnock. So first, I really want to focus on the good stuff because there is a lot of good stuff and most of it is emanating right out of the free state of Florida. And of course, as a viewer of this show, that should not surprise you, but I think it's worth reiterating some of this stuff because we now have the blueprint for winning. And the blueprint for winning is focusing on freedom, is fighting the woke, is directly and cleanly and clearly, clearly stating what you're gonna do, fighting giant corporations like Disney, fighting for parental rights, like the model here worked. And this perhaps is what Republicans and conservatives and disgruntled liberals and everything else that are all over the country right now that are not happy. Because if you're in New York and you voted for Zeldin and he did an incredible job and it was way closer than most people thought. And I honestly thought it was possible and, and they got pretty damn close. And New York is going to flip uh, a couple seats to Republicans. So good things did even happen in New York. But if you're there and you're not happy with it, you can move on. You can move to Florida. Maybe Zeldin should come down here and work for, uh, for DeSantis. That would be something. Uh, but anyway, so we're going to talk about that, and then we'll talk about what, what else can be done. What else can be done and how much we should all care. If you're a Floridian, how much should you care about the governor of Arizona? Or if you're a New Yorker, how much should you care about a senator in Florida or whatever it might be? So let's start with a little bit of the media reaction because it became very clear very early on in the night that Florida, something really, really special was happening in Florida. Uh, the people over at the Televised Mental Institution of MSNBC uh, were not happy about that. We just got, my, I'm told we just got Miami-Dade. This is a big one in Florida. Let's take a look at, okay. This, we got the, yeah. So let's put this in some perspective. Miami-Dade County has two and three quarter million people. In 2016, this was a Democratic county by 30 points. Hillary Clinton won this county by 30 points. Miami-Dade is 70% Hispanic. It began shifting to the, to the Republicans in 2020. Donald Trump only lost it by seven. And look at this, in the mail-in and early vote, which again tends to be more Democratic friendly, Marco Rubio, the Republican, is outright leading in Miami-Dade County by seven points over Val Demings, the Democratic challenger. In the gubernatorial race, uh, Interestingly, we don't have numbers from uh, Miami-Dade County. There they are. I'm not... They popped up for a second. Was that it? That was, that, I was, no, I flipped up to Broward to try to reset it to see if it came in. All right, so they were having some technical stuff too. Uh, but you can even see there, I think his name's Steve Kornacki, his, uh, his reaction. He's not happy when he's seeing these numbers, but that, that's all right. Uh, the reason I'm really showing you that is to, to point out the truly incredible reversal that has happened right here in Miami-Dade. And uh, I'm sitting in a room with four voters of Miami-Dade, four new voters in Miami-Dade, uh, all who obviously voted uh, for Ron DeSantis and I assume voted Republican, but whatever you guys did on the other things is up to you and including for governorship. Um, it's incredible. Hillary won Miami-Dade, which is thought of as really a blue speck in an otherwise really purple state up to now. Now Florida is very red, obviously. Uh, but she won it by 30 points uh, last time. Now DeSantis won it by 11. That is so huge. It is such a crazy flip. And I think it is indicative of something much wider that is happening largely in the Latino I don't want to say Latinx, the Latino community in the United States. And that actually bared out in some other polls and in some other results. Uh, we've got a little more from MSNBC figuring out what was happening with Florida. 
If there's any single result or any single trend that's evident thus far that surprised you the most tonight, obviously all of us looking at this stuff and hearing both sides make their projections, you sort of weigh everything based on what you know and what you can view yourself. But as somebody who's been inside these kinds of campaigns, what has struck you as legitimately unpredictable in tonight's results? Well, first of all, the divergence between Florida, which, you know, can't sugarcoat a disaster for the Democrats. Interesting, of course, it, the, the way they frame it, it's a disaster for the Democrats, right? You might want to say it's a huge win for the Republicans, but obviously they're on the other side of this thing. Uh, but that shouldn't have been a surprise for anybody. You know, in the cold open that we showed you there, uh, I mentioned as I'm talking to Liz Wheeler and they're throwing in the, the results live. On June, it was June 2nd, it was our last tour stop. We were in Orlando and I was sitting backstage with the governor for about 10, 15 minutes. And mostly he wanted to talk about baseball. We weren't even talking about politics. And I said to him, you know, governor, you're going you're gonna to win this thing by 15 points. And he laughed. He laughed in my face and he said, six or seven would be great. Six or seven would be great. He ended up winning by 20. It should not be a surprise. If, if those people that are on MSNBC had been on the ground here and meeting all of the new, the refugees who are here now, who are proud Floridians, meeting all of the people whose businesses stayed open, whose kids kept going to school, who weren't forced to mask and everything else, this result would have been pretty obvious. I mean, 20 is bananas extraordinary, uh, but it's because of good, competent governance. Look, obviously, I like DeSantis. I think he is a decent human being. I think he's done the right things. But mostly what people voted for here was freedom. And we're going to play a couple of clips from his, uh, his speech in a moment. When he's talking about freedom, he's not saying that government can do this for you and we'll give you this and we need more money to do that. It literally is just about keeping the, the basic guardrails of society as far away from your life as possible. Not that there are no guardrails, but they're as far away as possible so that you can live as you see fit. That is the ethos that has now been really etched in to the situation right here in Florida. And that is what must spread across to as many states as possible because some states that we thought were going to flip did not. And I think we'll, we'll get into a bit about that in just a second. Uh, let me talk to you guys about Cozy Earth real quick. Are you looking to score a few extra points by giving the perfect gift this holiday season? I've got two great ideas, certain to have family and friends bragging about how thoughtful you are, and they are both from Cozy Earth, the brand with thousands of five-star reviews, including mine. First, Cozy Earth Luxury Bedding. I own a set of their sheets, and you can't believe how soft they are. They really are. They're not only super soft, but they're made from the finest premium viscous from highly sustainable bamboo. That makes them, that makes them naturally temperature re uh, regulating so you'll sleep comfortably year round. I sure do. And second, anything from their luxurious loungewear collection, including soft and stylish bamboo pajamas, joggers, tees, and more. While you're there, check out their premium plush and waffle bath towels. They'll, you'll love those too. And every Cozy Earth bedding item comes in a very cool reusable canvas bag. Save 40% now on Cozy Earth. Hurry holiday offers. And soon go to cozy, go to CozyEarth.com slash Dave and save 40%. That's CozyEarth.com slash Dave and save 40%. All right, so let's get into some of the other stuff. And then I really want to wrap this show up with the good news, which is you've still got some choices. Whether you're watching this in Michigan or Pennsylvania or California, you still live in the United States of America and you've still got some ways to, to better your life if you're not feeling so great about everything today. So uh, while we did not get that red wave, while we did not get that red tsunami, and as I said, Arizona and, and Nevada still could go red. So it's like, we'll see what happens. Uh, first, we've got the Senate results so far. So this is so far because Arizona and uh, Nevada and Pennsylvania, uh, sorry, not Pennsylvania, uh, Georgia are still up in the air. Uh, right now it is GOP 48 and Democrats 46. Uh, so let's show you first. I mean, this one is just the crazy one. Pennsylvania, Pennsylvania voted for John Fetterman. 50.8% of the vote to Dr. Oz 46 Point eight. Uh, come back to me for just a second on this one. Look, this one, I, I said to my guys when we were driving to uh, to Tampa that that Pennsylvania was the one that worried me. I you know I didn't spend much time talking about the gubernatorial situation there. Uh, J uh, Jay Shapiro, 
uh, Democrat. He won. He's sort of like an Obama clone. If you watch him speak, he has all the mannerisms of Obama. He's young. He sort of looks, looks right for the part. Uh, and he was going against Doug Mastriano. I had a feeling Shapiro was going to win. I didn't focus much on that race. And also the, the truth is, you know, if you don't live in a specific state, you shouldn't care that much about someone else's gubernatorial races, right? The whole system was set up to be that you wouldn't have to care about those things. Uh, you should care about someone else's Senate races because the Senate makes decisions over your life regardless of where you live. But whether Carrie Lake ends up winning in Arizona or not, while that would be nice, while I would like that for the citizens of Arizona, and I think she would be far better than Katie Hobbs, obviously, it doesn't affect me that much here in Florida. Blake Masters winning does because Blake votes on bills that then affect the entire nation. Okay, you guys got it. The, the Pennsylvania situation, uh, obviously, they, first off, their voting situation is very bizarre. They had a ton of early mail-in ballots. The Democrats were really, really pushing to get mail-in ballots in before the debate because they knew how poorly Fetterman was gonna do in the debate. And I think you can objectively say, I don't know that anyone that would be considered remotely honest would say that Fetterman did a decent job in that debate. He mumbled and stumbled. He'd said good night right at the beginning. I mean, it was just terrible. And then more and more of these interviews came out and it, he was just awful. Now I get why some people would not like Dr. Oz, right? I, I was really coming around on him. I think I've met him. I think he is a decent guy. As a disaffected liberal, I thought his trajectory to becoming like a solid Republican, it, it seemed that through line that I know a little something about seemed very clean and clear to me. And if nothing else, what my, my general feeling was, the average person will look at these two people they will think, hey, if I live in Philadelphia or in the suburbs, like the crime really has gotten out of control, the, the drugs have gotten out of control, like who really can fix this stuff? While Fetterman's mostly focused on releasing hardcore criminals, like Oz probably will be better. So I, look, it makes all the sense in the world that Oz would have won, but he didn't. And, and it was, you know, about a five point differential, which Pennsylvania, man, like, I, I don't know what to tell you. If you're in Pennsylvania right now and you got this, you got Jay Shapiro, who's just, you know, he's basically a progressive governor now and you have Fetterman as your senator, if you're in Pennsylvania, like you got to think about what you want to do with your life because I don't think things are going to get better there anytime soon. Uh, Georgia is now super interesting and is going to be a runoff. So Raphael Warnock, the Democrat incumbent, 49.4% of the vote and Herschel Walker, the Republican, uh, what was that? 48.5. So they're within the margin that's going to boot this to a uh, runoff election, which uh, Phoenix, what did you tell me right before? Is that December 6th? December 6th. Uh, so we've got about a month now where everyone's gonna be focused on Georgia. It's another one of those things where it's like another special election. We need more elections, blah, blah, blah. What will be interesting about the runoff there is that Brian Kemp did defeat election denier Stacey Abrams. So Abrams is out, the Republican incumbent governor did win. Now you would imagine that a certain amount of people they just vote for a ticket, right? So you end up, you just go Republican, 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 or Democrat, Democrat, Democrat. So it might hurt Herschel Walker that the guy who won, who got more votes at the top of the ticket is not on the ballot when they do this, uh, this next round. So, so we shall see what happens there. Uh, the other one that's interesting right now and has not been fully confirmed yet uh, is the Laxalt Masto situation in Nevada, which right now it's at 49.4% for Adam Laxalt, who actually was, I don't know if you know if I've mentioned it on the show. I think he was Ron DeSantis' college roommate. Uh, and Masto's at 47.6. They're doing some more counting on that right now. So we will see. I mean, I don't know why. It does seem very odd to me that in other countries where they can figure out their elections day of, we have all the technology in the world, right? We used to be able to do it all day of. It's called election day but in certain places we seem unable to do it. Speaking of certain places, we seem unable to do it. Uh, Arizona, uh, Mark Kelly, this is now like changing on the fly because they're, they're announcing things uh, literally, it seems like every half hour at this point, but Mark Kelly, Democrat incumbent, 51.4, Blake Masters at 46.4, but they are saying that these, these new batches are, that are being counted now, apparently there's about 800,000 votes outstanding. And it does sound like they come from more red areas so that one could flip. Uh, one that did actually get finalized on election night, J.D. Vance uh, beat uh, Tim Ryan. That's 53 to 46. And we're just going to do one more, one or two more of these, and then we'll get out of the numbers. Uh, Marco Rubio, I mean, I just had to, you know, we knew he was going to win, but, but he absolutely crushed 
uh, Val Demings by about 16 points, a little over 16 points, just absolutely spectacular. So the, the results so far, the Democrats now have 184 seats in the House, Republicans have 207. You need 218 for the majority, uh, and there's, uh, there's a bunch of seats, I think around 30 something, 34 or so, that are being worked out right now because they were too close to call. And on the governor's side of things, uh, the Democrats now have 22 governorships and the Republicans have 24. Okay, so let's just pause on it for a second because this is, you know, people watch cable news on election night or after election night, they get obsessed with the numbers and obsessed with who did this there and white working class here and these people get a, let's just move past all that for just a moment. I wanna focus on the blueprint and what we can do going forward. And the blueprint, as I said, is what happened here in Florida. You know, the, the other conversation that's starting to happen right now, and we knew this, we, we knew we were gonna get to this conversation at some point, is where does Trump fit into this, right? Because Trump backed a guy like Oz, Oz lost. Trump was a huge backer of Carrie Lake. She, at this moment, is losing. Uh, Trump was a big backer of Blake Masters, at this moment, is losing. Those could flip. So right now, the, uh, there's a feeling like the, Trump, the really Trump, Trump people, Doug Mastriano in, in Pennsylvania, uh, that they did not do that well. But what did do well? Competence in governorship and leadership. And that really is the, the DeSantis message. So there's definitely gonna be some tension there. As I said, the media wants there to be some tension there. Um, but I think a lot of people are talking about it. Not I think, I know a lot of people are talking about it. I'm, I'm getting a lot of calls and texts. Uh, I was on Patrick David's show this morning. Like everyone wants to talk about like what happens to the Republicans now in this Trump DeSantis thing. And it's, it's, gonna, it's gonna play out. It's gonna play out probably somewhat privately, uh, but it's gonna play out uh, publicly as well. Uh, obviously, oh, the other one that I didn't even mention at all is Texas. Beto O'Rourke got crushed by Greg Abbott. So it's like, Beto, you gotta go away now. You lost twice. Stacey Abrams, you gotta go away now. Like, you guys just get out of here, get going. Uh, all right, we got one more ad for you, then we'll get to it. Let me talk to you about Kamikoto knives. Uh, you know, it's time to up your knife game with Kamikoto knives. Using traditional techniques, Kamikoto crafts beautiful knives. Using steel sourced from Japan, each blade is made with techniques that have been honed and perfected by generations of knife smiths. They come in beautiful, heavy-duty ash wood boxes, and every blade is individually inspected and comes with a lifetime guarantee. Because of their single bevel edge, Kamikoto knives can achieve a wickedly sharp edge, the kind you just can't get with other knives. These, cut through, these are cut through your ribeye like butter sharp. Kamikoto knives are used by several chefs working at Michelin star restaurants around the world. They make a, amazing gifts that come in beautiful boxes. You can maintain each knife's edge with one of Kamikoto's sharpening whetstones. And like I said, they're so confident in their product that each and every knife comes with a lifetime guarantee. If you go ahead and buy now, Kamikoto's offering you an extra $50 off site wide on top of their Black Friday sale. Go to kamikoto.com slash Ruben and use the offer code Ruben for an extra $50 off. K-A-M-I-K-O-T-O dot com slash Ruben. Kamikoto.com slash Ruben. All right, let's continue. Uh, Brian Kemp, as I said, in Georgia won. Greg Abbott in Texas won. So some of the fortified red states stayed red, but as I keep bringing this back to, I'm a little bit of a broken record today, but just bear with me because it's important. We have the blueprint now. I get it. There's a certain amount of people in America that just want more government. I think maybe that was my biggest takeaway more than anything else. It's like, if you didn't wake up, this would be my biggest personal takeaway. I mean this about me. Um, that if you didn't wake up, it's so hard to believe. I was so red-pilled over the last couple of years. I, I, I was so focused on freedom and getting the government off my back and not being injected with things if I didn't want to and not listening to bureaucrats tell me that I had to wear a diaper on my face and all of the other stuff that I think perhaps maybe my blind spot, and I always talk, we, always, we all have little blind spots. Mine was that we want everybody to be red-pilled alongside of us. And I think that we just have to accept that there's a certain amount of people that refuse to see the world as it is rather than how they wish it to be. So Ben Shapiro actually after the election uh, had a two tweet thread that was on this, which I responded to, and I think this kind of lays it out. He said, last night was not a referendum on Democrats' excellence in governance. It was a referendum on Republicans' lack of seriousness. Democrats will misread this and keep doubling down. So if Republicans get serious and drop the frivolous BS, 
2024 could look very different. If, if culture war isn't frivolous bullshit, by the way, it's key, but it's the icing on the cake of competent governance and earning trust with voters, see DeSantis, Ron, and Young King Glenn, icing on a bag of weird ain't gonna win you elections. Uh, so I did respond to Ben, I'll, I'll get into it in one second, but what he's saying there, I think, which is the key part, is that we can fight the culture war, right? I, I do this show, we're constantly fighting the culture war, the gender stuff, the woke stuff, the race stuff. And that is a huge piece of it, to competently fight this. But actually what people want more is good governance. I really believe that, at least, at least on the Republican side. They want good governance. They want a simple system that, that does what is supposed to do and doesn't do much beyond that. So if you have a good, competent government that is fighting the woke, fighting the, the, the culture wars properly, and then using a winning message, which I really believe is pro-family and pro-freedom and pro-America, then you can win. So I, I retweeted Ben and I expanded on this a little bit. Uh, I said, this seems right, but we also have to accept that probably 40% of the electorate wants bigger government, more lockdowns and mandates, higher taxes, and less control over their own lives. Changing that reality isn't political, it's spiritual, right? This is something I often talk about. DeSantis has laid out the blueprint for effective governance partnered with the aspirational message of freedom. Dems know a certain amount of people just wanna be governed harder. At the end of the day, if California, Pennsylvania, New York want more of that, then good luck to them. This is the beauty of federalism. If you woke up in New York and you don't want your kids injected during COVID-6, make plans and move. And if all the freedom of Florida is bothering you, go ahead and move to New York where you can pay more in taxes and be assaulted on the subway. America, with some American flags. And that really is what it comes down to. And I, and I think that, you know, I'm talking about the blueprint as my message today, but that concept there, that you have some autonomy over your life is the most important thing that we have as Americans in terms of your ability to think and, and act for yourself, but that you also have some choice, that this blue-red map that we have all over this country, that you know most of the states don't move that much anymore. We have our hardcore blue ones and our hardcore red ones, but don't forget, Florida was pretty damn purple and flipping back and forth for a long time. Now it is as red as it could possibly be. Again, Ron DeSantis won by 20 points. Actually, I'll just throw this up real quick. The numbers here on the, the amount of people that voted for Ron DeSantis, he had over 4.6 million votes. Chris had about 3.1 million. You must remember the key part of this is that Ron DeSantis won his election in 2018 by less than 40,000 votes. It was like 35,000 votes, something like that. He almost lost that election. It was basically under 1%. And the guy that would be governor right now in Florida, Andrew Gilliam, turned out to be a meth addict. That's how close Florida was to the precipice. And then DeSantis comes in and does it right, keeps his eye on the ball, acts bravely, governs as a competent manager, and this place is working. So, you know, when we were, uh, when we were driving back from Tampa and I had uh, all my guys in the car, it was Connor and Phoenix and Daphne and we were driving back and it was like, it was the morning after. So it was like, we had this amazing night at the DeSantis HQ and there were thousands of people and it was a party and it was a celebration and it was just, it was so wonderful to be there and we're feeling so good about Florida. But then as we were driving back, you know, we're looking at, at all the numbers and it was like, well, some of these races aren't decided. How did Fetterman win? Um, you know, that, that Georgia's going to a runoff. Like they're all the, you know, the, the wave itself didn't happen. And what I said to the guys was, it's like, you know, we made the decision a year ago to move. It's not easy to move. When I say this thing about the foot vote and that you can move and that's what federalism is all about, like, I get it. it. It is not easy to move. I think one of the reasons that I've, I've felt so good and, and feel so good right now, even though the broad results weren't exactly what I wanted, is that a year ago I made a decision to do something better for my life and my family's life and my coworkers and my companies, and I moved to a place that was in line with my values. So although Arizona and Pennsylvania may be completely, you know, Arizona, it's still up in the air, but like whether these blue states are completely the other direction or not, it's like, I'm doing the best I can to protect the things that I care about most. And I care about America very deeply, you know, the national idea of America, the federal idea of America, that we are the United States. 
Uh, but I do think, as I said in that tweet, we, maybe we just have to accept that 40%, I mean, I was sort of pulling that number out of thin air, but that X amount of people are always going to vote Democrat no matter what. A certain amount of people are brainwashed and think that the government is their God and they think the government is supposed to endlessly give them things and they do honestly believe it's racist to have a border and they don't believe in policing and whatever it might be. But the thing is you can choose to live in a place that is in line with how you feel and what your values are. If you are in New York right this moment, and there's a lot of good people in New York, the fact that Zeldin did so well, only lost that race by five points. And if you look at the map, we should have pulled the map up. If you look at the map of New York, he won almost all of New York. It's New York City and then sort of like the Buffalo area, but it's mostly New York metropolitan area that he lost, right? That's a concentration of a gajillion people. But if you look at the broad map of New York, it's almost all red, which by the way, is very similar to the broad map of the United States. If you look at the whole map of the United States, it's almost all red, but then you have these blips of blue. You've got your blips of Los Angeles and your blips of New York and Austin and San Francisco. But the country basically believes that the country is good. It believes in the America that we are constantly fighting for. But if you are frustrated, if you live in Philly, it's not gonna get better, I hate to tell you. You guys now have a terrible senator who can barely speak and barely communicate. You now have a progressive governor and it ain't gonna get better. And it ain't gonna get better uh, in some of these other places that reelected Democrats or flipped to, the, to blue. Not many places flipped, they either stayed blue. So you get it guys, like you have a choice in this country. And I think that's why I'm feeling very validated. Like I'm not, right now, if I was doing the show and we were all still in Cali, I'd be drunk. I'd be under the table. You people would be crying. It would not be good. You know what I'm saying? But we are all sitting here proud to be in a place that is in line with our values. So again, I get it. It's not easy. You know, I discussed this with Bill Maher. I was, you know, cause he was like, well, I'd have to leave if they brought mandates back. Uh, but he was like, but you know, I have my house is here and my friends are here and my show is here. And it's like, well, some people have nothing. So, you, okay. It's hard for rich people to move because they have a lot of stuff. Well, it's hard for poor people to move because they don't even can't afford the, the freaking truck. Some people have elderly grandparents in a certain place. Some people have kids in school and it's hard to, you know, re-socialize your kids. Like we've all got stuff, but you have a chance. So every time I tweet that out, people go, it ain't easy to move. You're right, it ain't easy. How many things that are worthwhile in life are easy? Very few. So why am I so proud to be here in Florida? Well, because freedom is here to stay. Florida was a refuge of sanity when the world went mad. We stood as a citadel of freedom for people across this country and indeed across the world. We faced attacks. We took the hits. We weathered the storms. But we stood our ground. We did not back down. We had the conviction to guide us and we had the courage to lead. We made promises. We made promises to the people of Florida and we have delivered on those promises. And so today, after four years, the people have delivered their verdict. Freedom is here to stay. Chills up my spine, man, because that's what it's all about. That's what it's all about. And you know, you don't become a leader overnight. It takes a long time to do it. And Ron DeSantis' life has led him to this. You know, I was checking this morning. You know that Ron DeSantis is 44 years old? He's two years younger than me. Isn't that bizarre? Like the guy is in his prime and he is ready to fight and lead. He really is ready. And how did he do it? Well, he, he was competent, he was clear, he fought the bureaucrats, and then when the culture war came here, he fought back. He didn't get into the culture war for the hell of it, but when it came here and schools were teaching young boys that they're actually young girls and teachers were talking to, to kids about sexuality privately and hiding it from the parents, and then when that was rocket-fueled, by Disney, which is one of the biggest corporations in the world, which is HQ'd right here in Orlando, Florida. What did he do? He fought them, he fought the woke, and uh, well, he brought that up in his speech as well. We have embraced freedom. 
We have maintained law and order. We have protected the rights of parents. We have respected our taxpayers, and we reject woke ideology. We fight the woke in the legislature. We fight the woke in the schools. We fight the woke in the corporations. We will never, ever surrender to the woke mob. Florida is where woke goes to die. I mean, Florida is where woke goes to die, like powerful stuff. I, I think that was the best speech of his life so far. I think his energy was just right. Obviously the energy in the room was electric. Uh, nobody, nobody, even though I crazily said to him he was gonna win by 15 points, nobody expected the 20 point win, but he stepped up there and just knocked it out of the park as a former baseball player would do. And the Florida Republican Party, it's not just DeSantis that has the blueprint, it's the Florida Republican Party. And again, I know most of you watching this obviously do not live in Florida. So it's not that you should be obsessed with Floridian politics, except that this is the way, these are the ideas that if you can incorporate wherever you live, whether it's a red state that's teetering that you wanna get these things over, or whether you really think you can stay and fight in a blue state and change things, these are the ideas. This was a purple state. As I said, this was a state that every year, flip, flip, Bush, Gore, okay, every time, it was different every time. But now uh, we've got a tweet from Election Wizard, breaking, Republicans take super majority in both chambers of the Florida state legislature. And guess what, guys, guess what? You know what, there's gonna be this Florida super majority, Republican super majority. And you know what you're gonna see? You're gonna see competency. You're gonna see more tax breaks. You're gonna see more infrastructure be built. You're gonna see more surpluses. And then when the money is needed, it'll be used appropriately like we did here in Hurricane Ian. You're not gonna see them encroaching on more people. They're not gonna be chasing down the gays or any of those things. They're not gonna be book burning. You are gonna see more and more competency. So just a little bit, a little bit more on Florida. Just bear with me guys, because I think this is really the takeaway. This is the takeaway. Uh, Jeremy Redfern, who works in the administration, he said, Governor Ron DeSantis won 62 of 67 counties in Florida. He flipped seven counties from blue to red. Uh, and even of those remaining, five counties had double digit red shifts. So this is, this is just incredible. So the state, the five counties that he lost, he all had huge red shifts towards, which is Alucha, Godson, uh, Leon Broward, Broward, which is incredible at 14 points, and Orange County. So they, everything, everything shifted here. And it's just, just a little more on the numbers. I know I'm getting deep in numbers today. Uh, this is from the New York Times. Miami-Dade DeSantis won by 11 points. That's what we referenced earlier on MSNBC. Nobody could believe it. Broward, yes, Chris won Broward. He did, but they did. he did not win it nearly the way that they thought of and historically uh, it has been done. And then even in Palm Beach County, DeSantis won by three. It's all here, guys. The pieces are all here. And, you know, I mean it. Maybe, maybe I'm gonna get in trouble with some OG Floridians, but I mean it. There, there is room to build here. I think DeSantis's next move has to be some really big infrastructure stuff. South Florida still has places to, to build, right? We've got homestead area, it's, it's huge, it's booming right now, but there are places to build. Let's build more houses, let's cut that red tape. You know, actually at the, uh, at the party, at the HQ party, I met a guy, a couple, you know, people were coming up to me all night long and a guy came up to me and said that he was a contractor. He actually lived in Miami and he does uh, buildings here in Miami, he does commercial and residential here in Miami. But he said when, when the hurricane hit and they knew that they were gonna have to rebuild Fort Myers and the Sanibel Causeway and Pine Island Bridge and all these things, all of these contractors basically went, people didn't even know what they were gonna do, but they took trucks and they basically just went across the straight and, state and they tried to figure out how they could help. He said that in a normal situation that it would have taken, if this was the federal government, it would have taken probably two years to rebuild that Sanibel Causeway. It was rebuilt in under a month, effectively rebuilt. It's being used right now as they're still cleaning up down there. But DeSantis, they said, he, basically the people went to DeSantis and they said, look, we can do this but not the way a normal government does it. You must cut all the red tape. We cannot be waiting for all of this stuff. You gotta just let us build. And they started building, 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 and they did something that we know. You all saw the, the, the videos and the pictures of the destruction. 
Like they did some incredible things and it was because the government got out of the way, not because the government did more. Uh, here's just something from Yee Politics that I thought was interesting. DeSantis won postgrads by seven points. So he won, you know, if you look here, never attended college. He won attended college, but received no degree. He won associate's degree. He won bachelor's degree. He won, and but the one that I thought was most interesting was this an advanced degree after bachelor's degree, uh, such as uh, MA, MBA, MD, PhD, et cetera. This is where usually the liberals win, right? Democrats win with these ultra educated, sort of ivory tower, somewhat out of touch people, but not here in the free state of Florida. And then of course, the other big thing was that the Latino vote really, really shifted. I don't know if you know this, but we have an awful lot of Latinos, many ex, uh, well, not ex-Cubans, we have many Cuban, uh, patriots right here in the Miami area and Venezuelans and everything else. Uh, so here's some info from NBC. Oh, well, so <laughs> this is funny. So Ezra Levant tweeted this and it's, ref it's referring to this NBC uh, poll. Uh, he said, AOC is a white person's idea of what a Latino voter wants. Sorry, I mean Latinx. Ron DeSantis is what Latino voters, Latino voters actually want. And you can see Cubans moved just a tiny bit towards uh, DeSantis, Puerto Ricans, tremendously 19 points and other Latinos, 16 points. Yeah, that shouldn't surprise you. And Latinx isn't a thing. It's just not a thing. Uh, by the way, uh, this is a tweet from Scott Pressler who did an absolutely great job in uh, getting out the vote. Uh, flipped, Con congratulations to Congresswoman-elect Anna Paulina Luna. Republicans flipped Charlie Chris seat from blue to red, that was in Florida District 13. So Anna Polina Luna has now replaced Charlie Chris. So Charlie Chris doesn't even have a job anymore. So there is, does the good news here in Florida never end? It just never ends. A uh, little bit more just quickly on the Senate race here. This was from Fox News. Breaking news, also in the Sunshine State, the Fox News decision desk can project Republican Senator Marco Rubio has defeated uh, Val Demings. And as I mentioned earlier, it was by like 16 points. And I thought Rubio, he, he's an excellent uh, orator. He gave uh, quite, a, quite a good speech when he was accepting uh, two days ago. And the most important house in America is not the White House, it's your house. Because that's where children are raised and values are formed and principles are, in, are, are instilled. And our job is to make sure we always protect the family. We always make it possible for parents to do for, my, to, to do for their children what my parents did for me and what your parents did for you. That's the American story. It changed the world. It inspired the world. And if you don't like this country, you're free to leave. My office will even help you do the visa. You're free to leave. You're free to leave the country. You're free to leave the state. He'll, he'll give you the visa. That's pretty good. Uh, if you have not watched one of my interviews with Marco Rubio, I think the first one, we went into some of his history. I mean, his parents came here from Cuba. His dad was a dishwasher, okay, for basically no money. His son became one of the most powerful senators and a presidential candidate in the United States. It's an absolutely incredible story. It's a type of story that only happens in the United States, but it's not just DeSantis and it's not just Rubio. Uh, Maria Elvira Salazar won in Miami-Dade. She is a Republican and a Latina. Don't tell AOC. We won. Thank you to all of my amazing supporters. 2022 is the year of the Hispanic Republicans. And here's a bit of her victory speech. This election proves what Ronald Reagan famously said, the Latinos are Republicans, they just don't know it. Until tonight, because 2022 has been the year of the Hispanic Republicans. Okay, so we're gonna throw to some uh, locals comments in just a moment and we've got a great cold close for you. Uh, but I think you see why I did today's show the way I did. Uh, we can always get lost in every little battle and worrying about every little thing. And you know, in politics, you're gonna win some and you're gonna lose some. It, the irony is as I sit here right at this very moment, because Nevada and Georgia and Arizona, because those Senate seats are still up, in the, up for grabs, it's like the red wave still may happen. We, we actually don't know. But either way, by no estimation was a, a disaster. And even if it was a freaking disaster all over the country, you always need a bright spot. You need, as Jordan Peterson talks about, you need that star in the distance to look to so that you can go towards that. Well, it is here in Florida. So I know I'm heavy handed when it comes to Florida and I talk about Ron DeSantis a lot and I talk about what we're doing a lot, but I think in some ways it was, it, for me, just for me personally, it, what happened here two days ago and what is happening here every second of every day is a culmination of, of the ideas that I've fought for and for the, for the, 
the fact that I picked up my life and the life of all these people that, that I'm involved with and we came here and did it. And if you do that, you feel the rewards of that, right? You get your just dessert. You really can get your just dessert. And I think all of you, and I'm seeing a lot of you in the locals community because I was asking about it yesterday and today, uh, are thinking about making some moves. Many of you have made moves. I've got an awful lot of people that reach out to me that have moved to Florida, but people that are moving to Texas and a, and a whole bunch in Tennessee and elsewhere. Um, but really think about it. Like we, we have to accept, we have to accept that a certain amount of people just want more government. Uh, you know, the other thing that sits behind all of this is that this, this young generation now, unless we can red pill them really fast, they're being born in a world where they accept government mandates, where they accept putting masks on and when they can go to school and when they can and being online all the time and being given all this stuff. That's not a great uh, indicator of future freedom, right? So, so we have a lot of work to do. Um, for me personally, doing that work from a place that's uh, in line with my values is, is important and I'm gonna keep fighting for it here and hopefully we can extend it Elsewhere, a couple comments from the locals community. California, California Runaway, great name, says, this election has made me so thankful I left California more so than ever. You know, it's funny. We didn't even play one clip during any of the debates of Gavin Newsom. We knew which way Cali was gonna go. It wants more of it. It's not gonna turn around in California. And that's the model for blue. So you've got the Newsom California model for blue and you've got the DeSantis Florida model for red, and you have to decide which one of those things that you want to pick in. DeSantis actually performed better in Florida than Newsom did in California, which is also pretty amazing. Uh, Marty says, New Yorker on Jesse Waters' show yesterday said New Yorkers would vote for Satan if he was a Democrat. Yeah, I mean, this is the thing. If these people have been blue-pilled to that point, if they, if they are okay with what has happened to New York City, the idea that New York City, I mean, this is the crazy part. When I mentioned before, that New York City, if you look at the map, you guys should Google it after. Maybe we'll put it up uh, on tomorrow's show or something. But if you look at the map of New York, how it voted, I'm telling you, it's all red with these two little blips basically of blue. And then the main blip is that New York City metro area. So think about it, New York City, which just had all the years of Bill de Blasio, a socialist that ruined New York City. Then they bring in Eric Adams. He's been awful too. And then they get Hochul after having Cuomo. So it's all Democrat run, right? And for whatever reason, these people in these cities, they just always think more Democrats, higher taxes. Sure, it doesn't matter if the rich people leave and take all their resources and then we have to you know, squeeze the other people. Sure, it doesn't matter if it's not safe. Let's keep defunding the police. Let's not treat the blue well. The blue, meaning the back the blue, the police officers. But they seem to want more and more. So at some point, like when the rubber met the road for me in Cali, it was after the the recall, I had had it, I got audited by the state, I was just done, I was done and done and done. And then I moved to a place that is free. And guess what, I got more change in my pocket too because there's no state income tax here. But that was certainly not why I did it. Um, you, you gotta get to that point in your own life if you're frustrated today. Uh, Chuck says, DeSantis set the blueprint to winning this country back. Yes, he did. And as I said earlier, this is where, and obviously we're gonna talk a lot about it over the next couple of weeks, we have to figure out where Trump figure, fits into this thing, or I should say Trump has to figure out where he fits into this thing. DeSantis and competent governance, fighting the woke, maintaining a, a belief in America. DeSantis is just knocking it out of the park. I like Trump. You know I like Trump. Most of you like Trump. I voted for Trump. There's many situations in which I would still vote for Trump. I like his kids. I think he believes in America, all of that stuff. But what is best for the country right now? I'm, I'm, actually, I'm actually not even totally sure what the answer is, but it needs to be worked out. It needs to be worked out. And, and again, I don't even know that DeSantis wants to run, but I know what DeSantis represents if we are gonna be a free country in the future is what the right thing is. And, and also the other part of this is, and I think this is something that Trump really has to think about. So, so Trump or any Trump people, if you're watching, take this one to heart. How many new voters can Trump bring in, right, at this point? How many new people will be like, you know, I've actually come around and I like Trump, or we're young and couldn't vote and suddenly will be like, I'm into Trump. It, that, it seems like he may have hit his ceiling on that. The problem with Trump is that a certain amount of people who by the end of four years of Biden, even if he makes it that long, will not be interested in voting because they'll be so depressed. Just Democrats that'll have seen the nonsense. But suddenly, if you make Trump the opponent, probably five million of them appear out of nowhere. So Trump's sort of at his ceiling with his people, but then you could bring back a whole bunch of people who probably wouldn't vote. If DeSantis has proven one thing, 
It's that DeSantis can get new voters to vote Republican. Look at those Latino numbers I just showed you. Look at the quite literally, I think over 300,000 people moved here from other states. We'll get the numbers on it eventually. They'll start coming out. But you have to imagine two thirds minimum, if not, if not significantly more, voted for DeSantis. How many people in your life do you know who are not traditional Republicans who have said to you, you know, I'm kind of over the Trump thing, but I could vote for DeSantis. Like these are all things that are, they just have to be discussed. They just have to be discussed and we can figure it out. Uh, all right, guys, we got a great cold close for you. So hang tight for one second. As always, uh, subscribe if you have not on rumble.com slash Ruben Report. And if you want to play along during the live show and get some more of my, uh, some of my food pictures and baby pictures and much more, it's rubenreport.locals.com. Michael Shermer, my interview with Michael Shermer, great stuff on conspiracies and everyone's a conspiracy theorist now because they all turn out to be true. Uh, if you like any of that kind of stuff and UFOs and all that, uh, you'll enjoy my interview with Michael Shermer. Uh, we leave you with... Yeah, you guessed it, Ron DeSantis. See you tomorrow. Courage isn't a brilliant dash, a daring deed in a moment's flash. It isn't an instantaneous thing, born of despair with a sudden spring. It isn't a creature of flickered hope or the final tug at some slipping rope. But it's something deep in the soul of man that is working always to serve some plan. Courage isn't the last resort in the work of life or the game of sport. It isn't a thing that a man can call at some future time when he's apt to fall. If he hasn't it now, he will have it not when the strain is great and the pace is hot. For who would strive for a distant goal must always have courage within his soul. Courage isn't a dazzling light that flashes and passes away from sight. It's a slow, unwavering, ingrained trait with the patience to work and the strength to wait. It's part of a man when his skies are blue. It's part of him when he has work to do. The brave man never is freed of it. He has it when there is no need of it. Courage was never designed for show. It isn't a thing that can come and go. It's written in victory and defeat, and every trial a man may meet. It is part of his hours, his days, and his years, back of his smiles and behind his tears. Courage is more than a daring deed. It is the breath of life and a strong man's creed. Thank you guys for tuning in to the Rubin Report Direct Message. We're live on Rumble, Blaze TV, and YouTube every weekday at 11 a.m. Eastern, 8 a.m. Pacific. Don't forget to review, share, and subscribe to this podcast. And if you're looking for early and exclusive content, you can join me on Locals at rubinreport.locals.com.